What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Destro. That's D-E-E-S-T-R-O. And on this episode, I am talking about famous musicians turned actors and I'll be ranking the best and the worst. So these are all people who started out primarily in music, had a music career before ever starring in a movie. So I'm talking to everybody from Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Lopez... Justin Timberlake and Will Smith and ranking in their their best movies, their worst movies, my favorite movies, and just overall if it ended up working for them or if they ended up flopping. So we'll get into all that. I also saw the brand new Disney Pixar movie called Onward, which I'll have my review on that. And also, I'll be talking about how the coronavirus might be changing the way we see movies. They're delaying movies now. They're postponing production on movies, and it's now kind of becoming a thing where it might change the way we see movies. At least I have a theory on it. So much coming up on this episode. And also, if you don't mind, leave me a five-star rating and review. I know I say this every single week, but it really does help me out as a newer podcast to kind of bump myself up there and get other people interested and kind of just turned on to the show. So all you have to do if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down there, hit the five stars, hit a quick review. Probably takes like 15, 20 seconds to do, and it really helps me out. Or just hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and make sure you're here for every single new episode on Mondays. Or if you just know somebody who likes movies, recommend this podcast to them. Be like, hey, if they listen to The Bobby Bone Show, you know Mike D from that? Yeah, I know he rarely talks on that show, but he has a podcast where all he does is talk about movies. You should check out this podcast. So that would mean a lot to me too. All right, so let's get started with this week's episode. Here we go. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. 
All right, so today we are talking about musicians who turned into actors. Some of these worked out pretty well. Some of these not as much as the others. It all came because over the weekend, the new Mark Wahlberg movie called Spencer Confidential came out on Netflix, which like the second week in a row now that Netflix has put out an original movie. The main reason I was excited about this movie was because Post Malone, who is one of my favorite artists, has a, basically a cameo in the movie. But the idea of musicians kind of stepping into the acting world has always kind of fascinated me because I think once you reach that level of fame, I think that the, the discussion kind of comes like, oh, you should probably do movies now. And I think the same thing happens the other way when, you know, musicians have really successful careers. They're like, hey, I want to dabble into acting. But also looking at this movie, it's Mark Wahlberg. So we'll start there. Mark Wahlberg started out as Marky Mark way back in the day. And I think now he has kind of eclipsed his role of even being a musician before being an actor. I mean, he's just stand down one of the highest paid actors of all time, one of the most memorable actors of our generation, and you kind of forget that he started out as a musician. So what I'll do through this episode is I'm going to give their actors first movies they start in, um, their best movies, and then their worst movies. And then we'll get into people who didn't really work out so well. And there's also kind of some like some intermediate ones where they kind of dabbled into movies and acting, but never really got there. And we're also just focusing on people who did movies. I know some people did TV stuff. We're focusing on movies in this episode because, well, I am a movie podcast. But let's get into Mark Wahlberg first. So his first movie ever was called The Substitute in 19. 19- 93, which was a pretty small role and then came his best movies which were like his biggest starring role was boogie nights which was kind of like the big introduction into mark Wahlberg. and after that it's like okay he's just gonna be an actor his other best roles include the departed and the fighter which both got him oscar nominations um he's never won an oscar but i think maybe he'll get there someday if he can start doing like I think he just like maybe one really great role away from winning an Oscar because to get nominated is a pretty big deal. And that kind of means you're already in contention. You're already kind of know those people. And I think if you get one more major role, you can get that Oscar nomination and an Oscar win. It's a lot easier for him than I think other actors who haven't won one. For example, Adam Sandler, who was in Uncut Gems last year and didn't get any nominations. I think that's because he had such a long track history of bad movies and never being nominated for one to just have one it's really hard to secure a nomination that way but i think mark Wahlberg could do it my favorite mark Wahlberg movie though is probably ted and i think it's just because of the contrast as we know him as you know being in these big action movies and when he did a comedy i just i really love that movie the sequel maybe wasn't as great but i kind of like that contrast of mark Wahlberg being the funny person i also really liked him in lone survivor And also a movie called Pain and Gain, which he did with The Rock, which wasn't the most highly critically acclaimed movie. But for some reason, that movie just holds like a little piece of my heart just because it's kind of action. It's kind of comedy. And Mark Wahlberg is like really ripped up in that movie, which is what I kind of remember most about that. His worst role ever, just looking at his list of movies, like the worst rated and acclaimed movie, The Transformers The Last Night he did, which was kind of a really weird Transformers movie i like the transformers franchise like the first few with shia labeouf are really good and then they kind of got into this weird space of just putting them out and this one with mark Wahlberg was probably the worst movie of the franchise and his worst movie that he's ever done but i think overall he has made the leap he is what we just know as an actor we kind of forget that he started out as marky mark moving on now to will smith who is undeniably one of the greatest actors of our lifetime and he started out 
as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It's a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten. Now his first really major starring role ever came in 1993, which is a movie called Made in America, starring Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg. Now that's a pretty crazy cast list to have Ted Danson, who was in Cheers and Becker, and now he's in The Good Place, which sadly ended. And then Whoopi Goldberg, one of the biggest movie stars of the 90s in in comedy. And to have all these three people in in this one movie is weird to look back. You'd never get that role again. And then he went on to kind of star in his own movies. And he was still doing music at the same time, but then putting out movies that were also blockbusters. And the thing about Will Smith is that not only was he starring in the movies, but he would usually put out like a song with the movie, which I thought was like something nobody ever really done before the way he did. His best acclaimed movies were Men in Black, Independence Day, and Ali. And his worst ever was a movie called After Earth, which he did with his son, which was like a science-y, sci-fi kind of weird movie that just bombed at the box office. I think Will Smith has had some pretty big box office bombs over his career. But overall, he's just a really big movie star, and he's kind of coming back with some hits now. I think the Bad Boys franchise is really big for him, kind of his big first hit, and he kind of had a resurgence in that this year with Bad Boys for Life, kind of being the first blockbuster hit of this year. My favorite Will Smith movie, though, has to be I Am Legend. I think that performance in that movie was just overall his best, mainly because it's, it's pretty much just him and a dog throughout the movie, and you kind of really see like the dramatic side of Will Smith. And it's also just a crazy concept to a movie that was one I saw in theaters. And I just was like, man, this could really happen. And it's also very sad. And with things going on now with like the coronavirus, you're like, oh crap, that movie could actually come to life. This next one is interesting because Eminem really only had one starring role as an actor ever. He's kind of a one hit wonder actor in a sense because his biggest movie ever was Eight Mile. He has made cameos in other movies pretty much just playing himself. But really, he's kind of a one hit wonder actor. And I had to put him on this list just because that was such a big movie. The soundtrack got him an Oscar. And I I don't really see him as an actor now only because he's only done one movie. His first ever movie was a movie called The Wash, which was Ice Cube and Snoop Dogg, and he had an uncredited scene um, in 2001, and he hasn't really done any movies yet where he's starring again since 8 Mile. He's produced some movies, but I think Eminem's a pretty good actor. Like, 8 Mile's a great movie. I think it holds up after all these years, and I think his performance in that was kind of like, holy crap, Eminem can act. I think if he had maybe another two or three movies under his belt, like he's still putting out really great music, unlike maybe some of these other actors, musicians who've made the list, but maybe even make something like 8 Mile again. I think that's a pretty cool space for Eminem to work in, and that's the kind of an actor who I would like to see do more movies. So we're still sticking with the best musicians turned actors, and I had to include Jennifer Lopez, even though she kind of started out as an actress first before her really her musical career took off, but I don't think she was in anything super huge and like a really A-list actress until later because she started acting in 1995. Her first film was uh, Mi Familia, translated to My Family. That was kind of her first acting role. She was also a fly girl in the, in the TV show In Living Color before that. But she didn't put out her first album until 1999, so she was already acting. And then she kind of just blew up as a, as a pop star after that. And I think her that kind of stood out over everything she did acting-wise. And I think now is where she's kind of translating back into doing acting again. So I felt the need to include her on this list just because she is such a big actress now. 
And almost now that her movies that she puts out have more kind of weight than her music, because I can't really think of a Jennifer Lopez song that I remember from the last 10 years. Um, but her best movie was probably last year with Hustlers. Like that was her most critically acclaimed movie. She executive produced that movie. And it was kind of like a shock to her when she didn't get an Oscar nomination, which I think, again, like the Adam Sandlers, like the Mark Wahlbergs, I don't think she was quite there just yet. I think she needs to maybe put out a couple more kind of movies in that realm to really get her acclaimed because like, yeah, like Adam Sandler, she hasn't really had a long list of doing great movies Um, Her because her worst movie ever that kind of hangs over her head was Geely from 2003, which arguably one of the worst movies of all time. I think if you make a list of the worst movies of all time, that has to go in there. So I think she has to do a lot of work to get that movie kind of off her resume and eclipse that from people's minds. But I still think now that she stands out more as an actress in movies than she does in her musical career. So I put her on the best part of this list. Kind of in that same realm is Justin Timberlake because he started out on Star Search and the Mickey Mouse Club, but he really didn't do any movies as a kid. He went on to be in sync and just kind of took the world by storm as a pop band boy sensation and then went solo and did all the music stuff. And then after that is really where he came into acting. His first movie ever, though, was a movie called On the Line, which was basically a romantic comedy aimed at NSYNC fans. So it was like starring Lance Bass and Joey Fatone. And then Justin Timberlake played a makeup artist. So that was really just a movie they put out to be like, oh, NSYNC is so popular. Let's put out this romantic comedy just straight up towards their fans and see how it does. Didn't do so well, but that was his first kind of step into acting. And then his best role really came as was in The Social Network, where he played Sean Parker, which is the Facebook movie. And Sean Parker was the guy from Napster, which was the first kind of time we saw Justin Timberlake as an actor. And it kind of worked. He still kind of in that movie looked like, oh, it's Justin Timberlake playing a character. It was hard for me to kind of separate him from that in the movie. But I think he had a couple of other movies after that where it was like, okay, he's actually trying to do this. Um, my favorite movie of his that he did was a movie called Alpha Dog, which wasn't really a, like a highly credited, acclaimed movie. It's a story about essentially this group of teenagers who kidnapped this guy's brother, um, because they're holding him accountable for some money he owes them. And then they end up like hanging out and partying with the kid and it kind of gets out of hand and turns into this really bad situation. And yeah, maybe it is a bit overdramatic, but I think I liked him in that role. I liked him kind of, he's like tatted up in the movie. And I think his acting wasn't quite there, but I saw it for the first time of not seeing him as the guy from NSYNC. And then his worst role ever, um, he played Boo Boo in the Yogi Bear movie, which is a bad thing to do. He, I mean, he's doing now like voiceover work in Trolls, which is a big hit. It's really, I think it's easier for like celebrities to kind of get into the voice acting world because... A lot of those movies now, which is, I think it's kind of sad where they just kind of take big A-list actors and they have them voice characters and they just bill it as like, oh, here's this animated movie and here's this long list of celebrities. I think there's an art to voice acting and I think a lot more goes into it that people think it's not just like, oh, get into a booth and record these lines. It's a little more to that than to make those characters come to life. And you have an example here when Justin Timberlake is thrown into a movie to try to make it a big hit and it flops. One of my favorites I got to include is Ice Cube. I mean, he started out back in the day with N.W.A., had a successful solo career. I can't believe today was a good day. And then his first movie was arguably his best, was his role as Doughboy in Boys in the Hood. Like, that's a great movie, a really powerful movie. And then he wrote and starred in Friday. And I think, like, the other musicians on this list is, like, his 
music career hasn't really been relevant in maybe the last 10 years or so, but I think that's okay. He's done a lot of movies like 21 Jump Street where he kind of jumps into comedy. He's done some like dip into like family comedies. Are we there yet? Which is probably his worst series ever. But I think now he kind of stands out as being more known as an actor. Kind of in my list now is where I have a middle ground because although they're not the worst musicians turned actors but i don't think they're the best mainly because they don't have enough like filmography to kind of like judge them on and also they have some kind of not so great movies where i think they kind of hang in the middle so this is where i'm putting mariah carey she first started a movie called the bachelor in 1999 with chris o'donnell she had like a small part in it and then she put out probably the worst movie ever called Glitter. And she hasn't really done much acting since then, aside from like some cameos, playing herself in movies. But she had a pretty notable role in the movie Precious, where it was very dramatic. She wasn't wearing like any makeup. It was a very stripped down and kind of raw Mariah Carey, where you saw a glimpse of her actually being a great actor because before her, her performances would get ripped apart people would say like she had the acting chops of a parakeet and it was pretty bad but i think that movie was a really powerful movie her role was really great in that and i think we didn't even recognize mariah carey in that movie so i kind of put her in this intermediate list of like uh, she's had some bad movies hasn't really cut through in a starring role but i would feel bad putting her just on a straight up worst list even though glitter was a pretty bad movie also on this list, I put LL Cool J, mainly because he hasn't really had a big starring role in anything. I liked him in Deep Blue Sea, Halloween H2O, and Any Given Sunday, but I think now he's kind of known more as the guy from NCIS. I think he stars more in like TV stuff. I don't really see him as a big movie star. I don't think there's been anything great in the last 10 years that he's been in, but he did start out back in the day with Mama Knocked You Out. Next in kind of this middle ground list is Tim McGraw, which he's done some really great movies. His first was probably his best role, which was in Friday Night Lights. He was also in The Blind Side. But I think he just hasn't really done enough movies to kind of give him that like, oh, I see Tim McGraw as being an actor. He's actually stopped by the show, The Bobby Bone Show recently, and we asked him, you know, like if he looks at scripts. But what he kind of said is like he gets scripts still, but he's not going to do something unless he's really invested in it being like a great project because I mean, he has to deal with scheduling conflicts all the time. He's on the road, he's in the recording studio all the time. So he's not really gonna take a movie on unless it's kind of works out with the schedule and he believes in the movie. I just don't really see him quite as being all the way as a movie actor. I see him as Tim McGraw, like the country artist. I don't really ever see him as being a movie star, even though he's done some really great movies. I think my favorite ever was uh, Four Christmases just because it was such a different side of him, but I think it's going to take another maybe couple big movies for me to see him more as an actor. Staying with country artists, I got to put Reba in here because she did have a really big role back in the 90s with Tremors. But I know Reba more as Reba from Reba the TV show than I do really any of the movies she's been in. She's done some voice acting last year in Spies in Disguise. And I think Reba is great. I think she's a great actress. I just don't think she's been in enough movies to kind of think of her as one of the best musicians turned actors. Also kind of in that space, I, th I have to put Dolly Parton because, yes, she's one of the greatest country artists of all time. And she's been in some big movies like 9 to 5, which had also a big hit attached to it, Little Whorehouse in Texas. But I think overall, those movies were a little bit before my time. And she really hasn't done any big movies since. I think she's a great actress. She's very talented. I just don't really see her like I see the other country artists as full on actors. 
All right, so that's it for the best. I'm going to get into the worst now. These are all musicians who just had some really big flops and probably should not have tried acting. I'll get into that next. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Probiotics aren't a trend anymore. They're a mainstay in the health and wellness aisle of your favorite store. And Nature's Way Women's Probiotic Pearls are the easiest way to introduce a probiotic into your routine. I mean, they're just what they sound like. Adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. But they still pack that probiotic punch. Each tiny pearl has 1 billion active cultures and protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they actually support both digestive and vaginal health, so that's a win-win. And according to my little fact sheet here, they're designed with a triple-layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid, so they can make it all the way to your small intestine where they're needed most. You probably didn't think we'd be talking about the small intestine today, did you? Well, digestive health is kind of important. If you know, you know. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. Now let's get into the worst ever musicians turned actors. These are people who tried out acting and maybe realized it's a little harder than they thought because they had some flops. Some of these people put out several movies and just didn't quite get there. And some were like one and done. I'm out. First up, let's go to Jessica Simpson, who the first movie she did starring in was Dukes of Hazard in 2005. And then she did another movie called Employee of the Month with Dane Cook, which sadly I saw. And then her worst movie ever was a movie called Blonde Ambition. So she did a bunch of kind of, I guess, typical roles you would put her in, kind of being the ditzy blonde. And it just never really took off for Jessica Simpson. And she was even offered the role of The Notebook. And she turned that down because of a sex scene in that movie, which looking back on that, if she would have been cast in that, she probably would have ruined The Notebook her acting career just never really took off. I think she had some success in TV with uh, The Newlyweds. I think that's kind of where I knew her most from. But she was a really big pop star. And it just shows you that just because you're famous and beautiful doesn't mean it translates all the time into being a movie star. You need a little bit more than that. And I think Jessica Simpson learned that within her films. And she never really did anything after that. Staying in the pop world, let's go on to Britney Spears, which she was one and done. She put out a movie called Crossroads, which is a very hyped up movie because she was probably, I would say, still at the height of her pop career. And she put out this movie. I remember seeing trailers for it all the time. I was like, oh, Britney Spears is starring in a movie. It's going to be huge. And it pretty much just flopped. And it was written by Shonda Rhimes, but overall, critically, just kind of torn apart. And then she also cameoed into movies, but her first starring role ended up being her last 
And we don't really see Britney Spears doing any other movie roles after that. This next one may take you by surprise because maybe you didn't know we started a movie and even tried out acting. Vanilla Ice. So at the height of his career, he put out a movie called Cool as Ice. Yes, he did that. A movie called Cool as Ice, where he plays the leader of a motorcycle gang named Johnny who falls in love with a small town girl and then finds out her family is involved in a witness protection program and they're being pursued by corrupt cops. And yes, it flopped. I know it's hard to believe with that plot line, but yes, Vanilla Ice just never really cut it as an actor. I do kind of got to give him an honorable shout out, though. He was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, where he has arguably one of the best songs ever in a movie. But other than that, never cut it as an actor, and I don't really think he'll be starting at anything soon. And then we have Adam Levine, who started a movie, which was his first movie called Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo and Kieran Knightley, which is actually a decent movie. I like that movie. And it's a movie about musicians. So you think, oh, you put a musician in a movie about musicians. It may work because what does he know? He knows about being a musician, but he plays the boyfriend of Kieran Knightley in this. And I think I like the movie, but overall, his performance was just really stiff. And you kind of see that he doesn't really have any range as an actor, despite being a very dynamic musician. I mean, he even took acting classes for this movie, and he said, like, you know what? I didn't really like acting at all. And I think they kind of queued it up so much for his character to be just like Adam Levine. So it's like, okay, you have to do very little. Just act like yourself. But I think it's still hard because when you're kind of following a script and reading a script, you don't really act like yourself even though they're telling you to. He's done a few other cameos and, like, a small role since, but this was really his one and done, like, ah, acting, just not for me. Also on the worst list, I got to put Madonna. I just don't really see her as a really great actress, even though I liked her in a league of their own. She wasn't starring in that, but she put out a bunch of just really bad movies in the eighties and nineties. And she was really trying to be an actress and really wanted to do it. I just don't think she really ever cut the room as a musician stands alone as one of the best pop vocalists of all time. But I think her acting chops, I think she kind of failed when it came to movies. I think the reason I liked her in A League of Their Own, though, because she wasn't really herself at all, and she wasn't really trying to be Madonna as the movie star. She, like, she was almost unrecognizable in that movie, and I think maybe because it was placed back in the day, her character looked different. I think that was actually a pretty good role for her to do. I wish she would have done something more like that, but everything else just was really not there. Also on the worst list is Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers, which had a really brief movie career. He first started a movie called The Chase, which was starring Charlie Sheen. And then really his most notable role ever was he had a small part in the movie Point Break with Keanu Reeves. But his performance really even then wasn't that great. And I think he hasn't really done anything since. And after that, he kind of hung up his acting career. And I'll end on this because there's one more musician turned actor that I think it's still left to be seen what she's going to do. And I'm talking about Lady Gaga because A Star is Born was such a huge movie, had the Oscar nominations, and I think was the first time we kind of saw Lady Gaga ever as acting. She had like a supporting role in like Machete Kills and some other like starring roles as herself. But this was the first time we kind of saw her acting and it was like really good. And I think with her also, maybe that was like a natural kind of role to put her in because She's already a musician. She plays a musician and I think kind of like Post Malone. So I think maybe that was kind of an easy transition for her. And she's undeniably really talented. She's a great singer. And I think that works so well in that movie because she is singing in the movie. And a lot of that kind of acting kind of is based off that character. So I think she was almost able to kind of hone in like her real life and put into that character of Allie in that movie. 
but I would like to see her outside of a character in music and just see her straight on acting abilities because it's there. I think you saw it in A Star Is Born. I just don't think we have enough from her. So not the best, not the worst, not really even in the middle because she's only had one role. And it was almost, I think, just kind of playing herself. So that is it. That is musicians turned actors the best and the worst. Coming up, I'll review the new Disney Pixar movie called Onward. And also in movie news is one story that I'm really afraid of that might affect my life. Might affect me seeing any more movies in the future. All right, gonna get into my review now of the new Disney Pixar movie called Onward, starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, who are both Avengers, by the way. So it's basically Spider-Man and Star-Lord, which I think was kind of a big selling point for me to go see it because I think they're great actors that also translate into really great voice actors because like I was kind of hollering at earlier is I think a lot goes into it that you don't expect, but I think they kind of have that acting capability as well. And I kind of like them together in the Avengers movie. So I thought in an animated movie that would kind of show through even more, but it's about these two teenage elf brothers who their dad died when they were young. Tom Holland's character in the movie never met their dad. And Chris Pratt's character has very few memories of his dad. So I'll get into more of that, but here's a little bit of the movie Onward. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm going to meet Dad. So this will be a spoiler-free review. Again, I do all spoiler-free. I don't want to ruin the movie. I just want to encourage you, if it's a good movie, to go see it. But I don't want to give anything away that's either not in the trailer or kind of not put out there in just like the overall general plot line. So I won't give any spoilers away in this movie. But where it kind of starts is it's Tom Holland's character in the movie, his 16th birthday. His older brother is Chris Pratt. And he is given this birthday present from his dad that her mom was their mom was kind of holding on to for a while until both of them were over the age of 16 so Tom Holland gets this kind of wizard staffed and the spell that he's able to cast that would essentially bring back their dad for one day only one day so it starts out with Tom Holland's character and he has this magical staff and this rare gem he casts the spell to bring back his dad, but he doesn't really have like the power to cast the magical spell, and he's only able to bring back half of his dad. So then him and his brother, who's Chris Pratt, they go on this journey to find another rare gem, and until the 24 hours are up to be able to bring back their dad, the rest of him, and spend some time with him. And then in the meantime, you have their mom and their stepdad trying to track him down and bring him back. And throughout the movie, you kind of just see the story of two brothers, one who kind of has these very few memories of their dad, which is pretty sad. And then the younger brother who has just never met their dad and just kind of wants that one single moment to spend with him. So they're trying to get there as fast as they can. And I think it's a pretty sad plot kind of at the start because it's very real. And I think Pixar is no stranger really to having movies where one parent figure is kind of gone. I think this one takes it on a little more straight head on. It's like, oh man, he just wants to really spend time with his dad. Never met him. That's pretty sad. And I think this Pixar movie, unlike some of the other ones, which are great, I think this one falls a little bit flat just because it becomes very formulaic and almost predictable, which I know it's a kid's movie, but I think other Pixar movies just stand out where like, okay, I didn't really see where this was going and it kind of takes you on a whole new world. I think this movie kind of misses the mark on that because what Pixar movies do a really great job of is creating an entire new world where these characters live in, like Finding Nemo or like Toy Story, where it's like this whole magical place where it's, it's 
unique to this movie. I think in this one, I don't think anything really stands out aside from the quest. It also draws a lot from Dungeons and Dragons. So basically, the older brother is obsessed with a game just like Dungeons and Dragons where you cast spells and go on quests. And then that's what's turned into the entire movie. But I think they just don't really explore that world enough. And there's not really enough there to where it'd be like a movie I even want to explore in with like a sequel. And over the weekend, it had a pretty soft opening at $40 million in the U.S., which for Pixar, that's pretty soft. And I don't know really that it has the staying power of some of their other franchises. There's no rumors yet of an onward, too. I think overall, it's a good story. It's kind of emotional. And I think it's really just geared more towards kids. I like the fact that they kind of explore this world of somebody growing up without a father. And I think that's important for kids to see in movies to know like, oh, there are characters I can identify with in a movie like this. So that part I like about it, and I know I'm an adult going to see a Pixar movie by myself, so that's not taken away from me that it's probably not geared towards me, but I think that's why their movies stand out so much is because while kids enjoy them, I think the parents end up enjoying them too, and I think this one falls a little away from that of like, like a parent going to see this with their kid is not going to have any jokes geared towards them or really have any laugh out loud moments like other Pixar movies. I think you just leave with a pretty decent kids movie. So overall, I give it three out of five gems. I don't think I will really be interested in a sequel. Just taking the movie for what it was. It was a fun adventure, an interesting concept, but I think just kind of stuck to a formula that I kind of knew what was going to happen about maybe 20 minutes through. So yeah, that's my review of Onward. All right, now let's get into some movie news. I was saying earlier, there's some thing going on just now in the world that may affect the way we all see movies. And it comes, first of all, with the new James Bond movie, postponing No Time to Die because of the coronavirus. So it was initially supposed to come out on April 10th next month. And I was kind of excited to see this one. I'm not really that big of a James Bond fan, but it being the last time Daniel Craig is going to play James Bond, I was excited to kind of see that happen. And now it's not coming out until November 25th, and they're delaying it mainly because of the spread of the coronavirus, which other movies have been affected too. Tom Cruise had to stop filming on the new Mission Impossible movie. And I think now what kind of happens is they're wondering whether or not they're going to start closing movie theaters. And I went to go see Onward over the weekend, and the movie theater was empty. I don't know it was given that. They just had so many showings. And I go to really early movies. I went to see this movie at 11.30 a.m., a kid's movie, yeah, maybe not a whole lot of people going to be in the theater, but there's at least usually one other person in there with me. And I had the entire theater to myself. And then I start seeing stories come out over the weekend about movie theaters taking extra precautions to clean them and to be kind of vigilant on, you know, spreading of germs. And it's everywhere. They're now closing things and delaying things because of putting all these people into one space and being concerned about spreading a virus. And I think right now it's really early on of them kind of figuring out what they're going to do. And I know it's probably not the biggest deal of them closing movie theaters in the grand scheme of things. But that affects me like every I mean, I go to see a movie usually every single week and not only would affect me going to see movies, it could affect any other movie coming out in the next few months. You see it now with James Bond. They're delaying the movie coming out. Granted, right now isn't really that big of a time for big blockbuster movies, but you got May and the summer box office coming around just pretty quick. And if these movies end up being affected because of this, because not as many people are, are going out to theaters because they're afraid that they don't want to sit next to somebody who's maybe coughing and has the illness and you're stuck in a movie theater in a really close confined space to where 
maybe everybody could be affected by one person who's contaminated going to see the movie who's sick. So I think James Bond is like the biggest movie who's been affected so far as far as delaying when the movie's coming out. Other movies have been affected just from their scheduling and their film schedule. But I'm kind of watching this to see what's going to happen. Will they close more movie theaters? Will they tell people like, hey, watch movies and come at your own risk? Or will this also kind of open up and kind of kickstart the discussion of having brand new movies straight to your home? Like I could kind of see this happening now. Like what if it gets so bad to where they close movie theaters and they're like, hey, everybody just stay home they come together and launch a service to where like, okay, these movies are just going to go straight to streaming. You pay essentially the ticket price you would have gone to see it in theaters, but now you're seeing it at home. I could kind of see this being the door for that. I, I like going to the movie theater. I think it's an experience. I know you got to drive there and you got to go through a line and you got to do all these things, but I like that experience of actually going to see it in a movie theater because I'm in a space where I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be distracted by other things. I'm there focusing on the movie. It's a really big screen, the biggest sound. I'm going to get a better experience than I do watching it at home. I do sometimes like the straight to Netflix movies, but I think right now there isn't anything that goes straight to Netflix or any of the other streaming services that is like a really great movie. I think that's almost the kind of this day and age is like straight to DVD or straight to video back in the day. It's like great for what it is. Like the fact that I saw that Mark Wahlberg movie and I didn't have to leave my couch, that was fine. I wouldn't watch that movie in theaters, but that it was just a simple click and sit and watch it. I liked it for that reason. I just don't think it's quite there yet. Aside from maybe Bird Box, there hasn't been anything that has really taken over pop culture and have people talking about to go watch. But I, I'm just myself, I still like going to the movie theater. But if it's for our health and for the reason of keeping everybody healthy and safe, I think maybe it could be a temporary solution. I don't think it will work long term. I still think going to the movie theater will be around. Like, I don't, I don't think movie theaters will shut down. I think and like even DVD sales still do millions and millions of dollars in sales every year. And you think, who watches DVDs? Well, there's still a great demand for it. They still make a lot of money on that. Last year, like Aquaman was still the highest grossing sales in DVDs and it made in the millions. So DVDs aren't going away. They haven't yet. I don't think movie theaters will go away because there's still the demand for people to actually leave their homes and go watch a movie. But I'm not letting this scare me yet. I think it's very early on. We don't know what's going to happen. If it gets really bad, it would suck for me not to be able to go to movies every week. But again, probably not the biggest problem coming from this right now. Uh, that's really kind of the biggest thing in movie news that I saw this past week that kind of affected me. But yeah, that's movie news in a rant for this week. And before I hop out of here, I got to do what I do every single week is give my Instagram shout out. And today it is going to at Kukachu. Uh, there's no name on the Instagram profile. It's literally at Kukachu at C-U-C-A-C-H-U-U. And uh, she posted that she was listening to last week's podcast on her Apple Watch, which I wasn't even aware that you could do. So that was pretty cool. Again, all you have to do to get an Instagram shout out is tag me however you're listening to the podcast, screenshot it and put it on your Instagram story and tag me in it. And I'll shout out one person every single week. Another thing you can do is if you have an Alexa, you can say her name and say, play Movie Mike's Movie Podcast and she will do that. So if you're looking for another way to find the show easily, that's another way. Just say it to your smart speaker. 
And if you have any movie questions or topics uh, you would like for me to cover, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Mike Distro. Drop me a message or email me at MovieMikeD at gmail.com. I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Later. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.